0: Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. Hello, this is episode one. Today is June 19th, 2013. My name is Mike Curley, and I am joined on our first episode of The Prompt by my two co hosts, the real co hosts of this show. Mr. Stephen Hackett, hello, Stephen. Hey, guys. How are you doing?
1: I'm, uh, I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I am very well. I'm Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing good, this thanks. This is
1: exciting, right? Big day? Big week. I, I, it, it almost didn't happen. Yes. I almost died driving home. <laughs> Terrible thunderstorms in Memphis. It took me half an hour to drive what normally takes about five minutes because there was rain and hail and limbs in the road. I mean, it was crazy.
0: I feel like we should introduce ourselves for people yeah. that are new to us, um, everybody is new to this show. This is the prompt episode one, um, so I guess we should maybe introduce ourselves, and then, or I will introduce everyone because I guess Ooh. that's my kind of job here. And You're like then, the narrator. I am like the narrator. I like that. Yeah, you know, I'm. I am the narrator, and you two are the hosts. That's how this works. So I am Mike Hurley. I am a podcaster on Five by Five. I host shows such as Command Space, The Pen Addict, uh, Bionic. Among many more, I do the, da- the news on a daily basis too. And I have to my virtual left, Mr. Stephen Hackett of 512pixels.net. And on my virtual right, I have Mr. Federico Vatici of
1: maxstories.net. And we should explain that we are, uh, I don't know if people can tell just from listening to us speak, but we do not live in the same countries. Nope, we span the globe on this show. Span <laughs> seven, we're seven hours apart between yep. me and Federico.
2: Yeah, we don't live in in the same continent either. No, me and Federico
1: do. We both live in Well, Europe. I mean, you're on an island, Mike. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. You're I like am. on a like a, a life raft.
0: So where we are both in the continent of Europe. This is a question for you, Federico. Do you consider yourself European?
2: Of course, I do. Okay, interesting. Because I don't. <laughs> it's, it, that's a British thing. Oh, wow. so. <laughs>
0: do, do you think I'm like a, um,
2: I don't know. From some other continent. Well, you see, a,
0: a a British person would say that they believe that they are British and not European. Oh,
2: right. You see? Yeah. So I know that I know that I
0: am in Europe, but we don't really think of ourselves as European.
2: Um, oh, yes, I consider myself a European, yeah.
1: Interesting. Subtle subtle racism is alive <laughs> and well in Britain. This yes. is a great star. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not podcast with you because I am a
0: British man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have great love for everybody in Europe, especially Federico. So, Thank you. On every so week on The Prompt, we are going to be talking about Apple and technology and the culture surrounding those companies. As well as this, as well as the three of us that will be we have you pretty much every week, or there will be at least at least two, I think, you know, because if something crazy happens, we don't have to skip a week, we can just have two of us on the show. We will be having correspondence. Now, the correspondence will be like a, a mix between guests and experts that will be coming in to help us on a specific topic. So with the prompt, we will be talking about news-related items and, and topical items, but we'll also be talking about things that they don't bear any date to them. So something that I really want to talk about at some point in the future is to talk in depth about Siri and the way that it relates to other types of contacts like uh, like systems, sorry, like Google Now and the terrible Windows one um, and talk about the advancements for those in the future. So we might try and get somebody on the show that really understands that stuff if there is such a person, maybe Tim Cook, I don't know.
1: Well, you know, um, he and I are both Southern. We're pretty similar. You could at least do
0: an impression of him.
1: I'm doing it right now.
0: So I think we should uh, mention a couple of technical things and jump into the show. What do you think, Jens?
1: Uh Yeah, I was I was gonna uh, mention that uh, we have in the show notes uh, a little article uh, by Danielle over on the Five by Five blog about the show, and uh, and you can see the gorgeous artwork. Which is- extremely attractive in every way. That
0: Jory Raphael did for us. So um, the show notes you can find at, for this episode, 5 by five dot tv slash prompt slash one. And then you will find subsequent episodes there. So we will be releasing the show as well on Wednesdays, um, quite late in the evening if you're in Europe, more likely Thursday in the morning. Um, but we'll be releasing on Wednesdays if you're in the continental United States.
1: USA, USA. That's
0: not going to work on this show, my friend.
1: Everyone, everyone. <laughs> That's much better. So, where do we want to start today? Uh, I thought we would start at um, where we left off last time. So, uh, which is weird since it's episode one, but on episode sixty-five of the uh, five by five, mm, the five twelve podcast. Wow, you forget we, the name already. It's so long ago. Um, we were talking about our aspirations for Iowa seven. So I thought maybe we could pick up there. Okay.
0: So obviously we are oh like a week removed now from the the keynote. So we've had some time to let our our thoughts and opinions sort of settle in. So I guess Federico, I'd like to ask you I mean, this is the this is kind of the hot topic at the moment, like the real like sort of pressured situation in regards to iOS. I want to get what, how you feel about the overall feel and design
2: of iOS 7. Are you going to ask me about the icons?
0: If that's where you want to <laughs> take
1: that question, my friend.
2: No, I haven't, I haven't read much about the icons. <laughs> Is that not have online? You been, have you been on the same <laughs>
1: internet we're on?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I don't know. I, I've got a good feeling about this, you know? Um, it's a major change and uh, I wasn't honestly expecting this kind of change and um, obviously this kind of change is scary mm-hmm. in that um, I don't think people were expecting Apple to, to go this far with a, with a new vision for the operating system and with a you know, with, with with this focus on typography and on layers and depth and all these things we've we've seen on the in the keynote, and I think it's very much a, a polarizing update right now, and it's difficult for me to 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 talk about the look uh, and to talk about the icons because I think that many parts of this first beta are, you know, are subject to change uh, throughout the summer so I could be arguing for you know, a couple of hours right now about the shape of the weather icon or the color of Safari and, 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 and the envelope icon of mail but I don't know if that's necessarily worth it because I mean sure, some icons don't look that great, actually some icons are, are really really Odd to me, <laughs> but I don't know if this kind of discussion is worth having today. After a week, I'd rather focus on on, on the grand vision of of iOS seven because I think that that's the one that's gonna that's gonna stick around uh, when, when when the when the update is released. I don't know, maybe in September or October, and, um, and I see so many people right now are. You know, in the middle of these almost philosophical discussions about about the icons and uh, and the golden ratio and uh, and all these grids. and and sure, Johnny Ive himself introduced us to the to the great system they they are using for the icons, and um, but I just don't don't see why so many people aren't talking about the what in my opinion are more important things about this update yeah,
1: so, so, uh, so, so, so let's do that
2: um yeah because i mean the icons sure, are, are the first thing people are going to see and uh, and the graphics you know and all the 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 look of of the os is, is very much important right now um but i think people buy these devices because they want to use them they they want to they want they want them to be useful and and Ultimately, I just don't see icons of a first beta to be this odd topic that right now seems to be going around.
1: Yeah. So the, the big um, infrastructure change with iOS 7 is the, the background updating, right? Yeah. And, and in the keynote, they talked about this that uh, iOS 7 will learn what apps you open. And say that every morning you open, I think their example was the CNN app on your iPhone, yes. then iOS 7, after a while, will learn that, hey, um, every morning we open up CNN, so it will start to wake up that application in the background, and uh, the content will be there waiting for you. And and I'm very curious to see how that process will work, like how how long it will take for uh, the OS to learn those things, or if there's some sort of mechanism uh, for you to tell it that, hey, every morning at 7.30, I want you to fetch CNN content?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But there's the other side where uh, developers will be able to uh, push content to devices. And that really works uh, in a similar vein that we've seen in Newsstand in iOS 6. So in Newsstand, um, uh, Glenn can hit a button and the magazine app gets new content without you having to open it, Um, and... uh, so that is coming system wide, or something very similar to that, which, which is great. I mean, Mike, you were talking about this before. Like, this is really what you wanted out of iOS seven, right?
0: Yeah, when, on the episode, that the last, you know, the last episode that we did together, the three of us on, on the five twelve podcast, which was sort of the precursor to this, to this show and this discussion, um, I was talking about how on Android, like I gave the example, if you're in a Twitter app like Falcon, and you want to send a link to Pocket. When you select to add it to pocket, it's done in the background, and then when you open pocket, it's already there. you don't need to refresh um and The more that I played around of Android like that, the more things on iOS are frustrating to me like I open instacast, like I get a notification it is a new episode of command space, and I have to refresh the feed if I wanted to see it appear, which it adds like a every time you open an app, you have to wait for something and I'm really pleased that what we're going to be seeing in in iOS seven is this new mechanism. So it, it what what the the overall feeling that you get is especially when you're sending things between applications is that they're that the OS is more alive because you're not opening things and refreshing and waiting. Like it's all just there waiting for you, and it it, it removes a lot of those small delays and then overall that that feels like the system is more in tune with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, but it's not it's not quite the same, right? So, cuz on Android when you do that, you are pushing that content into pocket where on iOS my understanding is it's more of a you push it up to, you know, pocket server and pocket server, you know, if they implement it this way, right? So this isn't this won't necessarily be uniform across all applications. Pocket could if they choose to do so. Um, anytime you save something, you get a push notification back to the device. You know, And it can be a silent push notification, so you're not going to have badges going off all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really app-to-app. App, it's kind of like app-to-cloud-to-app. And I worry, and I think at least at first, it will be a little bit of an uneven experience across applications because not every developer is going to have this on day one. Sure. And not every developer is going to do it quite the same way. Um, so I think that we will find a little... Uh, examples that work better than others, like maybe Tweetbot to Instapaper work really well, but maybe Twitterific to Pocket may not work quite as well because of something in the middle.
0: Well, I, it, well, in that instance, I think you'd, it would be okay as long as Pocket implemented it correctly. Because if you're sending something from Twitterific, it's always getting pinged at Pocket's end. So then they right. just I mean to- I mean,
1: we're using that as a very specific example, but yeah. there's a billion different apps that could do this in a billion different ways. Uh, yeah, definitely.
0: And it will be like, you remember when, with iOS 4, right? And you would have some apps that would do things in the background. So, you know, you get like that window where, for example, if you send a tweet in an app and close the app, it can send it in the background for you, right? Mm-hmm. Not all apps had that initially. So it was, it was right. was it was waiting for a point until either A, your apps of choice support it, or B, you find a new one that does. And, and that's, one of, that's like the really interesting thing, like what Marco's talking about, how apps that do these things initially, maybe have the new look, they fit with the design, or have all these new features, they will be the ones that win. And if it's a, an application that can't be updated because, because of the existing code base or whatever, it's going to be these new apps that come in that can take the crown of a previously existing powerful app.
1: Yeah. So, so Federica, we were talking earlier about... Um... About what this could mean uh, for battery life, and, and you know, uh, on on Android, basically, uh, there's, I mean, uh, there are restrictions on Android, but it seems still seems like iOS has a tighter set of restrictions on what these apps can do. Uh, I mean, are you are you worried about about this having a big impact on on your iPhone's battery life?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, Apple has gone with a. Um, with a with a new background with a new set of background services that can fetch content from from apps that that have an some sort of, of an online service or database that can request data from so um, my my primary concern is that um, during the keynote uh, uh craig Federighi uh, talked about the, the fact that all these apps that will take advantage of of the background services uh, will be managed by by the OS. So uh, my understanding uh, is that the user won't have a setting to say, hey, uh, each day, uh, every 15 minutes, I want Tweetbot to be refreshed in the background. Uh, The the OS will will, mm, analyze uh, patterns and, and your usage and will, will determine on its own if it's appropriate to, to, to get new content in the background and as you said, developers will be able to, to, to send uh, a push notification uh, and on iOS yeah, 7 that notification will be used to get new content and you'll also be able to, to as a developer, to send a, to send a silent notifications, although this will be limited per hour. So, uh my concern is that so let's say that I install I don't know maybe 20, 30 apps and and I move a lot between these apps. So I have my Tweetbot, I have my Evernote and I have a, a an email client perhaps and I have audio and I have Instacast. So all these apps that I normally uh that I normally use and um and let's say that I'm that I'm on 3G or maybe I don't know a, a public hotspot. So if DOS is gonna is gonna notice that I that I that I constantly switch between apps, how is that gonna work for battery life? And uh, and on the on the other end, if DOS is too worried about battery life, uh, is this background stuff even gonna be useful for me? So right now it's it's really hard to tell because there are no apps, and I mean there are no third-party apps that take advantage of of this stuff yet, and and I'm really curious to see how Apple is gonna is gonna deal with this stuff, and uh, an aspect that I think it's worth pointing out is that uh, during the keynote and and I think uh, twice on the on the iOS 7 web page. Apple is uh, explicitly describing how you can close apps from the from the new app switcher, from the new multitasking interface. And I think that's really curious because, um, you know, there's been a lot of misconception about the fact that in iOS 4 and iOS 5 and iOS 6, you don't need to close apps. Sure. Uh, whereas a lot of people that I see every day and... and are costly, you know, double pressing the, the the home button to to close all their apps, and I think that's an awful experience because iOS manages those apps in the background, and I think it's funny that Apple is now maybe going out of its way to 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 tell users, hey, this is how you'll be able to close apps, and this makes me wonder if uh, if that's some sort of, of remedy for all this background stuff, like Apple knows that battery will, will, will be impacted. And so it's telling users now, hey, there will be a way to close all your apps and you will save battery life. And I think it's also funny that, maybe not funny, but interesting and worth, pick, worth keeping an eye on, that there is a setting to, to, to manage apps that can request a, a background refresher so There's really a lot of questions right now and and, and it's hard for me to tell because uh, there is an NDA and there are no third party apps that are that have been updated for this and um, but I think that this would tie really well into into some hardware upgrades with better battery life because that's obviously always been a concern you know like the the, the mythical iPhone with all day battery life and i uh, and i think now that there's all, there's all these new background services it's really ma- it's really time for a for a, for an iphone with with better battery life because battery is going to be going to be used by by these thing so um I, th- um I think
1: i think they're just going to bolt the macbook air battery to an iphone
2: Be <laughs> fine <laughs> Yeah, or maybe Apple is gonna is gonna make a, an external battery pack.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they they're just uh, app exclusive uh, Apple bought movie. And I
2: and I think that's, uh, that's not true. Another <laughs> aspect that another aspect about the 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 multitasking new uh, the new interface for the, for the app switcher that not so many people are talking about is the fact that you know I see all these people saying Apple followed a trend of of all these jailbreak tweaks and and concept videos that showed uh, snapshots in, in, in the app switcher and um, I think people saying that that sort of interface is really uh, fancy, just fancy and not functional are really missing the point and I'm happy to say that I was missing the point too, I was completely wrong on this because uh, I wrote a blog post with my iOS 7 wishes um, a couple of weeks ago and I wrote that I didn't see the point in, in, in a multitasking UI with, uh, with live previews and, uh, and I was wrong because the great aspect of this is that uh, apps that refresh in the background can show that, that content in uh, yeah. in in the in the preview, uh, and this has been shown on stage when when Federigi demoed the, the the new app switcher. You could see uh, that the content was updated from the, from the music app or from iTunes Radio, and um, so that really kind of changes that came a little bit for, for people like me who are constantly moving between apps. So you can take a quick peek and see if content has been updated, see if something's going on, and then maybe go back to the home screen or go back to the app that you were using. So this new background stuff and multitasking uh, app switcher with, with previews, I think this is going to really work well together. And, uh, and I'm curious to see how it will work on the iPad because right now we don't know.
0: So one of the other big things that, that came out was one of the brand new things that I don't really think anyone expected in this way is control center. Um, and I know that you know a lot of people said they wanted to see widgets, etc, in notification center, but what we have instead is a new UI, a new view um, about control center. So Stephen, I was wondering what you think about control center. Now you've had maybe a bit more time to think it over and about what its future could be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, so. I mean, at this point, it, it's it's very basic, and uh, you can do um, uh, audio control, so like iTunes, etc. Uh, you can turn on a flashlight, open a calculator, and you, have, and you have quick access to like airplane mode, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and screen brightness. And it's very uh, utilitarian at this point. Like those are all very like, I need to look do this one thing and, and move on. I'm a little surprised that it didn't get bundled in with Notification Center. So now you have this thing that slides up from the bottom and down from the top. And I think that's a little a little weird. Um, but I do think if, if Apple does expand share sheets in between applications, so Mike, like you were talking a second ago, you long press on a link on Android and this window pops up and it says, hey, Pocket can do this, Instapaper can do this, Chrome can do this, Mail can do this, what do you want to do? If Apple ever does um, put something like that in in iOS, I can see Control Center being that that sort of thing. Um, it you know Apple is very cautious when it comes to putting a new UI uh, in, in its systems. Um, and with Control Center, I can see them saying, "Look, all it does right now are these six things." But maybe in a year or two years, once we're used to sliding our thumb up and revealing the sheet, maybe we'll see some uh, additional functionality built in or some options. Um, You know, like Launch Center Pro type stuff where you can say, you know, I want to put a Tweetbot button in here and I want to put a Chrome button in here and and whatever. Um, So right now it's very basic, but I could see in the future maybe that's uh, expanded.
0: I mean, I agree. Like, I think that the current options in control center are a little strange like i don't need a calculator so accessible all times
1: you have to do math in a hurry all the time
0: <laughs>
1: never that quickly superhero math guy and <clears throat> yeah like
0: the the settings screen right is empty am i right in thinking this from from things that i'm yeah there,
2: there there's not basically nothing in there
0: which is strange, right that you would have a setting a whole area de- in settings which doesn 't have anything in it
1: I think all it does uh, is you can turn it on or off on the lock screen that 's it, which
0: seems like it doesn 't need its own screen to do. You could have put that somewhere else, <laughs> so maybe there'll be some stuff in there i don 't think right. we're going to get i don 't think what we 'll see is this uh, no not,
1: not on seven you know and even backing all the way up to the top of the show about about design and icons and whatever. I do think iOS 7 isn't finished and I do think there are some more changes coming but I don't think we're going to see anything radical. I don't think we're going to see for instance borderless buttons go away. You know like it, it's it's done and you know they might change 15 to 25% of stuff but what you see is what you get for the most part. I I don't see control center getting any sort of drastic changes between now and the fall.
2: Yeah, and even if you just watch the, the the WWDC session videos, you can you can learn how all these new design languages is, is very much uh, deliberate and, and intentional. So it's not like they they came pull a, a, a Microsoft right now and and do an Xbox 180 <laughs> like Microsoft j- just did. So they, they cannot. I, I, I mean, they can do whatever they want, but I just don't see them doing a complete reversal of all these uh, new design language and philosophy behind this new, no. This new, this new update.
1: No, no, I, I think, I think what, what we see now is going to be basically <laughs> what we see in the fall. And that's, you know, that, uh, it is what it is. And uh, I think you're silly to be holding out hope or holding out some sort of grand vision of a big change. Right,
0: should we take a, a quick moment and take a break? You two can both clear your throat as well, you know, have some water or something. And and I will take a moment to talk about Squarespace. Are we happy with this, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I think I might have caught you whilst you were taking your drinks of water. So <laughs>
2: I was already drinking whiskey, so.
0: Oh, perfect. No, not really. Our sponsor this week is Squarespace.com, who give you everything that you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment that allows you to create, maintain, and just function with a beautiful website. It doesn't matter what you're trying to create online, Squarespace can give you absolutely everything that you need to do it. Whether you want to create a personal blog, um, any website, maybe a business site, a portfolio what about a site for your online store? Well, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need to make that happen. It doesn't matter how experienced you are with putting sites online; you can put something online in minutes. You don't have to worry about hosting, scaling, finding designers, integrating with other services like Twitter and Facebook because they have it all baked right in. Squarespace has amazing themes. They look really beautiful. They're really clean. They let your content do all of the talking because they just get out of the way and let that shine. They have responsive web design built into every template as well so it doesn't matter what device people come into your site from they're going to get a fantastic experience every time, whether it's iPhone, iPad or on the Mac or any device for that matter, A television maybe, you know, Squarespace sites are going to look great across all of them they have great page building tools, they have a system called Layout Engine, it allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds you just drag and drop blocks of content like photos, videos, text, anything And you can drag and drop it and really make it your own space. Squarespace have a system as well called Squarespace Commerce. It lets you add a fully integrated store into your website. You can instantly start accepting payments. You can sell physical or digital goods through Squarespace Commerce. They even have inventory management, order processing, basically everything that you would need if you wanted to sell anything online. They have built-in statistics, 24-7 customer support, great iOS and Android apps, and loads more. I want you to go and try this out for yourself. Go to squarespace.com. You can start a free trial and find out more if you'd like. Squarespace plans start at $10 a month for their standard plan and $20 a month for their unlimited plan. If you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you'll get 20% off these prices. If you sign up for two years, you'll get 25% off. Or you can pay month to month. It's your choice. It's great value across any plan. Don't forget to use this code, 70decibels6. That's 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-6. That will help support the show and will also give you 10% off your first order at Squarespace on top of any other discount that you may get. So go to checkout. So go check out Squarespace now. They give you absolutely everything that you need to make an amazing website. So notification center. So it was updated a little bit, but maybe not necessarily what we wanted. The tiny X buttons are still there. We haven't got what I wanted, which was like to swipe notifications away. Um, but what we do have is like this new view which shows like your calendar and your appointments and it shows the weather and stuff all in sort of native language, which is quite interesting.
1: Yeah, that, that part's really weird to me. So like you scroll it down, I think uh, like one of the screenshots said like, oh, today is going to be 73 and sunny and your first appointment is at 2 p.m. to take the dog to the vet. Like, I I don't mind my technology like having like a... Like when I ask Siri something, I want it to be conversational, but I don't want to read conversational stuff because like, just tell me when my next thing is like, or I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, and I'm really surprised. We'll talk about Mavericks here in a second, but Mavericks Notification Center now is interactive. So when a, a, a notification comes in for a text, you can reply to it right there and at This point we haven't seen any indication that iOS 7 picked that up, and so notifications are still very uh one way on iOS 7.
0: Let's talk about Mavericks.
1: Yes. This is something that is this is probably bad to
0: say. OS 10 Mavericks doesn't really excite me at all.
1: Ugh.
0: I'm just OS 10 is like mm, look at me, I work on an
1: iPad. No, that's me. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he like he like popped in there. Uh, I mean, I get it. You know, for, it was exciting for me because, you know, I've made my living on Macs for a long time, but iOS is Apple's biggest platform. You know, it's a lot bigger than the Mac, and uh, honestly, I'm just glad they haven't ignored it. So, um, what, you what? want to blast through these features real quick? Yeah, tell us. Tell us
0: about it, Stephen.
1: I will tell you about it. And you will listen to my voice, and you will learn. Uh, three big features in Mavericks. iBooks, uh, which I, I can't – I looked for the image today, and I couldn't find it. Someone tweeted, like, oh, thankfully I can read iBooks in my Mac. And it was like a dude in bed with an iMac, which really cracked me up. <laughs> um, Maps is its own application. I still don't understand why Maps isn't on the web. Uh, well, I do. Apple is afraid of the internet. But uh, there's a Maps application looks really good. You can send stuff to your phone very easily from the Maps uh, we already touched on uh, uh, the notification stuff. So, those are kind of the three user facing things. I found it really interesting that all of the marketing for OS X matches the marketing for iOS 7. So, it's like super thin Helvetica and lots of white space. But, like, OS X did not receive a UI overhaul. Like, they got rid of the leather and the stitching, but, like, it's still the same typeface in the menu bar. It's always been. Like, it, I don't know. It felt weird. Like, they pitched it. Like, I thought OS X was going to receive like a new system font or like a new, you know, uh, new windowing system or something. And it it didn't. So
0: it's weird because like iBooks has a very iOS 7 icon, right? And it looks so out of place in the images to the rest of the icons. It's strange. It feels like they maybe ran out of time with Mavericks with some of the design stuff that they might want to do there.
1: I mean, I think they have to be very careful. I think uh, people, I mean, starting with Lion, right? So if you remember the Back to the Mac uh, event a couple years ago? How could I forget it? How could you forget it? Um, Craig Federighi's hand shaking on the mouse. Oh, poor Craig. Poor guy. They, they loaded him up with volume this time. It really paid off. <laughs> they... I think they have to, have to be very careful um, when bringing iOS features to the Mac, right? So... With launch cent or what is it, launch pad? I never use it. Uh, and some of these other things, people were like, "Oh, iOS 7 and iOS 10 are merging." Well, no. A, that's silly because they're kind of the same thing already. But you know, they're different things, and I think Apple's going to keep them that way for the foreseeable future. But I think they have. The, there's a perception out there that if Apple were to, you know, say the next version of OS 10 looks just like iOS 7, right, with big typeface buttons and glossed or, you know, glassy opaqueness everywhere. Like I think people would freak out and I think they want to avoid that freak out as long as possible. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was ready I- to, I was ready to go riot in front of Moscone, but it didn't come to it.
2: <laughs> I I wonder how much of, um, of the iOS 7 new, new design languages. It's a, uh, it's a choice because it, it, it's built for touch. Uh, so it's, it's this series of you know new paints that you slide across the screen. It's these new layers of icons and, and, and notification center and control center and all this new uh, visual uh, architecture. And, and I don't know if, if, if any of that could make sense on a Mac because like you said if you if you if you try to to rem- to remove features like uh, like windows like all these all these screens that you can that you can that you can have together uh, on the desktop uh, and i guess people would really freak out and and march to to Cupertino with with i don't know with with flags
1: I think you. I think you're thinking of
2: pitchforks
1: <laughs> and torches. Yeah, but,
2: I was trying to think of something more like a revolution. You know.
1: Oh, so, yeah. Yes. Well, you're telling you know all about that.
2: All I right. do. Too soon. Yeah. I never took part in a revolution, so uh, I guess. Um, so.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, I think you make a great point. And and Apple, even as recently as that, back to the Mac event. Um, you know they have, like a graphic of like a big floating arm like touching a macbook and people don't want that and you look at like windows 8 uh like uh convertible ultrabooks that seems like the worst idea in the world but there there is a lot while well, on the surface there might not be going going on much <clears throat> on the surface <laughs> uh can I can I take a nap? Yeah. Can i just come back there. Uh uh-huh. There's not a lot going on with Mavericks on the surface, but there's a lot going on under the hood. And uh, in the show notes, we have a link to a white paper put out by Apple. It's a public document about the – it's called OS X Mavericks Core Technology Overview. Gentlemen, if you want to get your wife something romantic this weekend, print out this PDF. (laughs) Um, Right? It it didn't work for me.
2: I'm just going to talk about. Timer coalescing because it sounds so cool. Mm,
0: I like the way you say it, Federico.
2: Yeah, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to Sylvia in the other room and say, "Hey, timer coalescing." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's business right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, it's, think- it's not like Apple didn't say that. I mean, f- even Phil Schiller said, you know. It just it, sounds it, it cool. Sounds cool, yeah. So they said uh, that. I'm, twice. I'm just, I'm just repeating. So
1: yeah, no, you're. Hey, anytime you can quote Phil Schiller in the bedroom, things are going to go your way. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Mavericks is a is obviously a big reaction to the fact that Apple sells way more notebooks than it sells desktops. Um, so two things I want to touch on, and we'll move on. It's pretty deep into nerd territory. One is compressed memory. So right now, if you have four gigabytes of RAM in your laptop, a You should go get more RAM if you can. But B, once that RAM fills up, the system has to take what's in the RAM and write that out to disk. And so it's going to take the the RAM contents and put it on your hard drive, which is incredibly slow, or onto your SSD, which is faster, still slower than RAM, but uh, also has a lot of wear and tear on the SSD. And so what compressed memory does is uh, when the system needs more RAM for something – while it would, while it would in the past page out, what it can do is compress the contents of RAM and not page out as quickly. And what that means is you can actually fit more stuff into, into uh, RAM than you could before, which basically means your system is faster, it's more responsive, you're doing less read and writes out to your to your disk, and all those are good things. Uh, the second thing is this big push towards power efficiency. So activity monitor. Activity monitor, which is buried in your utilities folder. If you open that, it shows you what applications are running, what threads are running, who owns them, how much RAM they're taking up, how much CPU percentage they're taking up. That has been uh, revamped and it includes now uh, how much power the thing is taking up. And that's kind of a loose term, like it seems like to me at least hard to quantify. But even on stage, they show this. And they show, like, look, this application Safari is taking up, you know, a lot of CPU, which means it's taking a lot of power. It's draining your battery. And now, through things like AppNap and timer coalescing, uh, applications that are hidden or aren't in use um, can take up a lot less power, meaning you get uh, better battery life. And that's that's good for everybody. And, uh, and on the desktop, it means that your... You know, you're not taking up as much uh, as power from the mains, as Mike would say. I and uh, would, yeah. would you
0: say that? Uh, yeah, sure.
1: I mean, I can sure.
0: say it. I don't know if it's necessarily what I would say.
1: So, 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 all in all, um, OSM Mavericks is all about this like push. Like people use notebooks more than ever. Um, so that, that all that all makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wanted to. I want to ask you, Steven, uh, do you think that some of these new uh, advanced features for power saving and battery life are only possible because Apple has a, has a really tight integration between the software and the hardware? So I guess my question is, do you think it would be possible for other uh, computer makers or software makers to, to achieve this kind of integration between the, between the OS and, and, the, and the hardware it runs on?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, without doing any research, made, so it would be no. You know, Apple, like, lining up applications when they hit the CPU is a very low-level thing. Uh, they're flying very close to the metal on this stuff. And Apple can do, th- do that because it owns the whole stack, right? Like, they own the metal, they own the firmware, they own the software on top of it. Where somebody like uh, Dell, which I don't even know if they're still in business, um, you know, they get Windows, and they can do stuff to Windows, but they can't, they can't like, rewrite the way applications talk to the CPU. You know, that's, that's a low-level thing that's handled by the Windows kernel, and Microsoft doesn't give them a lot of access to that sort of thing. So I think it is a, a yet another time where we see Apple having an advantage uh, controlling both the hardware and software. Uh, and my guess is that some of this stuff – now, they didn't say this is pure conjecture on my point or on my part. But my guess is some of this stuff is in iOS and either was there before OS 10 or will be now where these, these applications will wake up all at once and do their thing. I think they did mention that you know I – mean, I'm sure you guys do it 100 times a day. I know I do. I'll pull my phone out of my pocket just to check the time or like it buzz and make sure it's not an important notification – and when that happens, iOS seven will say, "Oh, there's some apps and need to do something. Wake them up real quick." And that's a similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's a similar type of philosophy is what we're seeing in OS ten.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and I thought about this because I um, I remember last year when um when Apple introduced um dictation, the mountain lion um mm-hmm. and there's this little tidbit of a of, of detail that struck me uh when you uh when you double press double press the the command key uh, and the dictation pop-up comes up um you can hear the your your, your max uh fans slowing down so that uh the the dictation can can better hear you can can listen to your voice and i thought that was that it was a really um great detail that 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 sums up the way apple can control both 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 parts of the of the experience of the software and the hardware so um i'm really curious to see uh for example if if, if in the future to to get approved and i know that maybe right now this this sounds a bit absurd but i don't think it is too crazy if maybe in, to, in the future to get approved uh, on the Mac App Store, you'll have to comply to some of these new uh, power-saving and, and battery-related APIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that, that's a crazy proposition for Apple because, I mean, they are already doing the opposite. Uh, and that is, apps that aren't, that aren't sold on the Mac App Store cannot use iCloud. Or I'm pretty sure there is uh, some new restric- restrictions on, on Mavericks. And um, and I really want to see how they're gonna they're gonna deal with this sort of uh, of hardware and software integration with third party developers. And um, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I know right now some of it is optional. So um, uh, AppNap, app which is a thing where if your window is in the background and it's not, it doesn't need to draw anything, it can be put to sleep. Basically, uh, that is optional at this point. I think uh, Federighi said like you can you know stick a flag on it and, it and it won't do it so i think they might end up there uh i don't think it's going to be this fall but obviously apple is pushing it and i mean they spent a lot of time on it in the public keynote this is very i was blown away this is very nerdy stuff for a public keynote like you would think you would hear about this stuff in the you know the sessions at wwdc but this was in like the keynote with billions of people watching and that means it's important to Apple, right? Like only really important things get stage time uh, unless you are building remote control cars. So uh, I, think, I think you might be onto something. This could definitely be a, uh, an issue in the future.
2: Yeah, and something funny about streaming uh, a developer keynote to, to billions of people is that uh, my, uh, an Italian friend of mine uh, watched the keynote. Uh, on, a, on, a, on his computer, and, then, and he comes up to me and says, "Hey, uh, what is this thing about Apple uh, doing something with bees?" And, I, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> what about bee?" So basically, his problem was that uh, API, you know, uh, in Italian means bee. <laughs> and so he didn't understand why they they had all these lights about bees so it's a
1: little loss in translation in it <laughs> yeah
2: so i think like you say it's it's funny that some of these more advanced features are uh, are stringed to billions of people on a computer on apple tv yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's really funny it's like can you
0: imagine a, a johnny ive designed beekeeper like outfit and like I don't know. It would just be <laughs> aluminum.
1: You wouldn't be able to really walk around. <laughs> well, at least no bees could sting you. It's true. Um, so, so I don't, Mike. How are we on time? Are we good? Forty-five minutes. Okay. So let's let's talk quickly about about the Mac Pro. Um, first of all, holy cow, it is beautiful. Um, but I don't find it all that surprising. I think if you've been paying attention to how Apple hardware has been changing over the years. SSDs, custom parts, you know, uh, Thunderbolt. I don't think the Mac Pro should have caught anyone by surprise. I think it was a maybe it's sooner than expected, but like, this is the road that Apple set out on with the original MacBook Air in many ways, and um, and now you can buy what I assume will be a twenty five thousand dollar computer with uh, all this stuff in it. I mean, um, it's, it's going to be expensive, right?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm sure it, it won't be uh, as affordable as a as an iMac. And um, but I wanted to ask you uh, because I, I'm pretty sure you're you're more uh, uh, you're an expert, and uh, and I really don't, don't know much about um, about the, the pro stuff for Macs. And um, why do you think Apple prioritized um, size over you know the possibility to to expand uh, the Mac Pro with slot? drive and, and you know with base inside and, and yeah. all the, the kind of features that the, 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 the previous Mac Pro model had
1: you know I've been thinking a lot about that and I've come to the conclusion I don't think they set out initially to make it smaller I think that was a byproduct of the technology they wanted to use so if you look at the MacBook Air uh, it's goal in life is to be small and thin and light and they make that is the goal, and they make um, compromises to meet that goal. So the MacBook Air does not have a Retina display because they couldn't make it cheap enough or light enough or thin enough at this point. It's like how the 11-inch used to not have a backlit keyboard, same type of thing. I think with the Mac Pro, they wanted, to do, they wanted to make an extremely fast computer. And so that meant two GPUs, which are insane, that meant SSD storage on PCI cards, which is also insane. And that meant Xeon processors. And I think they made it, they got it, they built it, they made it as big as they could to, to cool all that stuff. But I think because they wanted to use Thunderbolt 2 and they wanted um, to use SSDs and not hard drives, like that was the goal, not, hey, let's cut out the, the drive bays. And that, that might have been a secondary goal, but i i don't I don't think it was a guys. We have to make make the Mac Pro a third of the size. Like okay, I don't think that's what Johnny Ive wrote on the whiteboard on day one. I think he wrote make a crazy fast Macintosh. Um, that said, you know, I definitely would have liked to see hard drive bays and that sort of thing in it. But again, this is. It's an evolution it's the a next step or maybe several steps down the path that Apple's been on for a while with its hardware, and I think there'll be growing pains with it you know um, there are a couple of companies that make like breakout boxes you can put p c i cards in um I think um I just saw an ad the other day for a company that makes uh, like a you can plug in like video cameras and and all sorts of crazy stuff into uh into Uh, A thunderbolt, little box. So I think we'll see stuff like that, and I think we'll get to a point where people can do what they need to do. It's just uh, just a little slow.
2: Do you do you agree with with the with the idea that's going around that uh, that Apple is uh, you know Phil Schiller coming out on stage and say can't innovate anymore, my ass. And and do you think that that it's conceivable to think that Apple is doing uh, this sort of presentation more for themselves? to 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 sort of uh to to motivate themselves about about the fact that they can still innovate rather than doing simply because uh because uh, the pro market it's something they they wanna they wanna address right now this year with Mac Pro. Uh,
1: I mean I think I think there's two questions. To answer the second one, I think that uh the um, obviously, the Mac Pro is not ready, right? We didn't get a release date. We didn't get a price. We barely got tech specs. Uh, I think they knew they had to show it off at WWDC. There's been a lot of talk about it, and I think Apple wanted to address that. And there's no better time than um, you know, when all the developers are there. I think Schiller's comment about the company not being able to innovate... Um, I I think it was scripted. I don't think that was off the cuff. I think he wanted it to sound, off the cuff. I think that was less about. Um, I think it was less about the competition and more about like, let's go home team type stuff. I think it was a more of a rally cry for the guys in the audience. Um. You know, I, I I think people who have said that about Apple, I think that's mistaken. Obviously they've been quiet for eight months because they've been very busy on this stuff. And um I I I think people are over reading into Schiller's comment. Yeah. Yeah, maybe.
0: So um shall we shall we move on to picks? Yeah. Okay. So as as we one of the things that we want to do is so, the show will be will have this sort of these topics and maybe we'll have topics and correspondence stuff. But at the end we want to either have picks at the end of the episode or Federico, because he is amazing in the things that he um that he comes up with. We wanted to maybe look at some tips and stuff. From him because he has all these insane URL schemes and, and things like that that he publishes on on MacStories. So maybe you know, once in, once every few weeks, we can get Federico to talk about one of these things that he has discovered and uh, a new cool th- trick that he's using on, especially his iOS devices. But today we're going to talk about some apps that we've been enjoying. So Stephen, why don't you kick us off?
1: Uh, so I'm going with an app that was released right before WWDC called Whisper. And if you're, uh, hopefully, I think everybody listening is familiar with App.net, which is a ad-free, paid-for social thing. I don't know with how they, p- it's a social social network and an API. And uh, Whisper uh, basically just does private messaging on top of App.net. It's iPhone only. Uh, it's free with a five-dollar in-app purchase that unlocks the typefaces and multiple account support and that sort of thing. It is just really fast, really lean messaging. And, uh, I mean, Mike, we use the heck out of it in San Francisco with a whole group of people because they can do, you know, group messages.
0: And you could share, like, locations, the current locations and um, things that you're near and stuff, which is cool.
1: Yeah, and you can do stickers, and uh, they promise more stickers and and some other things in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. It's by the guys who make the Repost. Repost is an app done at Twitter-like client. Um, but really, really good, if you're looking for something with private messaging and you're already on app.net, uh, I would definitely check it out.:
0: Cool. cool. Uh, I want to talk about a game, and I'll probably talk about a lot of games because they actually the the, the most that I, I download more games to my iPhone and, and iPad than I do any other type of app really um, and a game that this bear with me guys. Uh, the, a game that I want to talk about today is Toka Hair Salon 2. Now, Yeah, to, I'm hanging up. Yeah, the, the, this is made by the people, like the Boca people, who make really, really interesting apps that are more focused at the kid market, like the child market. And that was why I wanted to talk about it. Like I saw someone say that it was really, really good. And I thought I would try it out um, because I thought it would be quite interesting just to take a look at these games. I mean, I've played around with some of the Boca apps before and seeing some of them and this one I thought would be really good for people who have children to to play with because it's actually a really fun game so basically all you are doing in the application is you you choose you choose a model so there are like six people that you can choose and they all have different hairstyles and you take them into the salon and you can do you can change their hair so you're able to make it grow you can cut it you can shave it you can comb even you know like use a razor to it you can do all like sort of curling and straightening things you can spray different colors and then like wash and blow dry and then at the end you can take a picture of of what you've created Um, and it was just it's just a really fun little game and when I was playing around with it I could see how a kid would love this like they don't do all that in-app purchase stuff or anything like that it's just you you pay once for the application they have really cool like guides for parents and stuff as well in the applications and you can turn certain functionality off it's it's really cool like and, and I think that this is the type of game that would be fun for children to learn with, because they are, you know, it's just, it's fun to let them sort of be creative with these sorts of things. And that's what the Boka people are good at and have won many awards for. So I, I suggest it's fun to play around with. If you are so inclined, I would look at the website and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. People probably think I'm insane. And I will just for the fun of it, I will share an image of one of the, the, the one of my creations. And I'll put that in the show notes too. Please do. So you're up, Federico.
2: Yeah, uh, my pick is um is Pushpin, which is um which is a client for for Pinboard, the the bookmarking service. And basically, uh, Pushpin has always been a uh, one of my favorites. Uh, but uh, the previous version was kinda ugly, and you know it kind of looked like a a tiny Windows app on the iPhone. (laughs) It really (laughs) did. Yeah, but now it's got all this brand new, uh, what the developer actually calls on the release notes, pit-satisfied user interface. Uh, I have no idea what that means. I just know that it actually looks really cool. It's really clean. It's got this new uh, silver uh, UI theme and uh, in, it retains all the all the basic features of the previous version so you can access all your Personal bookmarks on pinboard. You can uh, you can uh, uh, navigate across uh, private and public bookmarks and see what you what you what you starred and what you marked as on as unread an on uh, or or didn't assign a, a tag to specific bookmarks. And uh, and of course you can still browse uh, the the community bookmarks. So you can you can switch between network, which is something that I do every time uh, to to check on. Uh, people that I follow on Pinboard, or you can you can see what's popular uh, and, 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 a, and a selection of of popular Wikipedia bookmarks. But the the power features that to me really uh, stand out in in this new version are the the is the possibility to to create to to read uh, what the, the developer calls uh, uh, save feeds, which is basically a way to to combine a username. On Pinboard with a with a set of tags. So, for instance, if you wanna see uh, all my bookmarks, and uh, I, uh, by the way, I am Tichi on Pinboard. So, if you wanna see all the bookmarks from Tichi that are tagged as I don't know AppleScript, you can do that in Pushpin too, and and you can do this for an unlimited number of users and tags. And of course it's got a URL scheme. So you can use this with uh, with Launch Center Pro or maybe drafts or maybe I don't know a bookmark in Safari or Google Chrome. And it's got a, a whole new set of additional fixes. It's got one password support if you wanna if you wanna log in with one password. It's got a a new gesture to uh to to hide uh, the username and the description of bookmarks in a, in a in a in a list. So it's really uh, it's a it's a gorgeous update and a, and a, and I'm really happy that besides the the new interface, it's still got the, the power user stuff that I, that I really liked about Pushpin. So right now, uh, if you're looking for 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 the best Pinboard client for for iPhone and and this is kind of expensive. The app is nine ninety nine on the App Store, so you're really going for a for a power user app with a lot of features, uh, a great interface, but this is my pick.
0: Excellent. Cool. I think we're done. I think it's time. So thank you very much, all of you, for listening to The Prompt, episode one. And thank you guys for joining me. Let me go around the horn and tell people where they can find everybody on the show. So you can find Stephen. He writes at 512pixels.net. That's 512pixels.net. And he is ISMH on Twitter and app.net. Federico writes at maxstories.net and he is Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, on Twitter. I don't know if you do you use app.net Vitichi?
2: Uh not every day.
0: You have an account. No. And I see. I have an account. I, and I have a, I have a bunch
2: of followers, but I don't really I don't really use it. Poor app.net.
0: And I am iMike. I am Y K E and I create many podcasts on the five on the glorious five by five network. We also have an account for The Prompt on Twitter and app.net. It's underscore The Prompt. So that's the account there if you want to follow us there. If you want to get in touch, Twitter and, and the social social means are probably the best way. If you want to give us feedback on the show, we'd love to hear what you enjoy, what, what you'd love to see going forward, and to help us build a show that you're going to love even more than I'm sure that you already have for this first episode, because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, thanks, guys, for for being here with me today um, and helping us do this together. And thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. Does anybody like to give any closing remarks?
1: I just love you guys so much. Thanks.
0: Yeah, Uh, I love everybody. And Until next time, I will say goodbye. Adios. Ciao. Oh, good. Arrivederci. I thought we were saying that.
2: Yeah, that's not bad.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.